0: Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Today, we're bringing you a special bonus episode. It's a story from another podcast that I think you're going to really enjoy. The podcast is hosted by Melody Edwards. She's an acclaimed journalist, and she's a former colleague of mine. We used to work together when I was a reporter at Wyoming Public Radio. Melody's podcast, which, by the way, has won some very prestigious awards, including a Peabody nomination, is called The Modern West. Produced by PRX and Wyoming Public Media, it's a sound-rich series that surveys the evolving identity of the American West. Today, I want to share one of my favorite episodes from The Modern West— On the surface, it's a story about how an all-women hunting camp is preserving the ancient traditions of hunting and fishing. But really, it's so much more than that. It's a story that had me all teary-eyed by the end, in a really good way. I hope you enjoy it, and if you want to hear more stories like it, make sure to follow The Modern West on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. They just launched a brand new season a few weeks ago, and they're diving into some fascinating questions with that. So, without further ado, here's Melody.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is The Modern West Stories to Match Our Scenery. I'm Melody Edwards.
2: Women teach women, we're saving relationships one cast at a time. Because then you don't have to feel the frustration of learning and arguing.
1: What's the best way to help women feel good about learning to hunt and fish? It's a really personal question for me. I've been wanting to learn both for a long time now. My dad hunted when I was a kid. I remember eating rabbit stew. And he's an avid fly fisherman, and I've wanted to go out with him. But somehow I never learned and didn't know how to start. Then recently, it seemed like I kept hearing lots of ladies talk about this urge.
3: Women are the largest section of new hunters right now, and that's incredible. But hunting has a PR problem. We're declining because we're not relatable to the outside world and we're really bad at talking about what we do.
1: That's Jessie Johnson. She's what I'd call a kick ass bow hunter. Trust me, I've seen her in action on the archery range. But she's also the founder of the National Wildlife Federation Program, Artemis, named after the Greek goddess of the hunt. The aim of the program is to get more ladies preserving the ancient tradition of hunting and fishing. Her theory is they could be a huge help for that PR
3: problem she mentioned. It's kind of scary to talk about, I really love this thing. You know, I love a deer, I love an elk, I love animals in this landscape. But I also hunt and kill them. It's a really difficult conversation to have. And the hunting culture has typically just sort of slammed that door in people's faces when they question it. On the grander scale, women tend to be a little more emotionally intelligent in how they tell a story. Um, So they don't start with, I went out and I killed a big deer. They're like, well, I just learned how to hunt. 10 years ago and oh my gosh I did this and I did this and this is what happened it was amazing I cried like they show remorse they show the respect Um, and I think not just hunting culture but culture frowns on the emotional side of a man still um, and so they haven't and so women are a little freer to show that. But let me back up a step and
1: tell you where I ran into Jessie. She was my archery teacher at an all-women's outdoor camp called Bow, or Becoming an Outdoor Woman. They have these in almost every state. I decide to apply in hopes of finally learning something I'd long been interested in. My one secret wish is to get enough fly-fishing skills to go out with my dad. To get to the one in Wyoming, I had to drive miles of dirt road straight into an incredible view of the Wind River Range of central Wyoming. I watch for bighorn sheep on the cliffs driving in. A glacially sourced river runs out of those mountains, clear and deep right into Bo's camp. And it's on a ridge with a panorama of all that where I find a group of gals lined up pointing arrows at targets. These are shaped like deer, turkey, rabbits, even a stegosaurus. Jessie Johnson is walking around correcting people's form. Blonde hair pulled back in a short ponytail, jeans, t-shirt, nose piercing. She handles the bow like it's a dance partner.
3: Okay, so the only thing I'm gonna tell you is when you have it at full draw, feel these muscles start to pinch. So uh, come to your don't You don't have to draw, just put your arms where you would if you would draw. Okay, now pinch my hands. Yeah, so that strength, that movement right there, is what's going to do it. And then you let it, rather than just like, boom, I let it go, like that feeling, you just kind of let it... Stretch.
1: Pretty soon it's my turn to pick up the bow. I'm nervous. It's something I've never done before, not even in Girl Scouts. I'm worried I won't have the strength to stretch the bow or... The artemis to
3: hit a target. Okay. And I put my fingers under it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when you go to draw, yeah, feel into that. Tuck your face in a little closer. Yeah, there you go. And then I'm... So I would go bring this a little closer, uh, a little in. Uh, excuse me, towards the bow. You you're a little overdrawn. There you go. I see. Okay. Yep. And just release when you're ready. I hit something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Under Jesse's tutelage, I start to find my inner Artemis. And I realize there's something about archery, just like getting perfectly still in mind and body and letting an arrow fly.
3: Right there. Right That's there? beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Does it feel great? That <laughs> feels great. It's what a, a feeling. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Well, you got that. Yeah. You got that. All right. Let's you. Let me try I think there's something else that settles my nerves too, being surrounded by other women. For lack of a better way to put it, um, when it's one gender, there's no performing for the other gender. And so it alleviates some of the, I think, shyness, I think some of the embarrassment on asking questions that might feel like very new or, or naive questions, which there aren't any, ask away. And I also think that like, when you start talking about women in the outdoors, There's a lot of subjects that are kind of hard to talk about with a man around. Like, let's talk about what it is to have a period in the backcountry. It sucks. Like, can we talk about it? But it's a lot weirder when it's a group of men around it. So there's places to ask these questions. It's a, you, I think, build a little more of a sisterhood. There's less competition. Without a doubt. I mean, to me, that was a big appeal because it's so much less... Stressful, you can make a mistake, you can ask a stupid question. You know, I think women are just so much supportive.
0: No, the group of three. 55 women. Yes. We're all here for the same reason. Yeah. Yeah, which I think makes all the difference.
1: Those were my fellow archery students, Linda Wendt from Wyoming and Jennifer Main from Utah. They chat with me in the shade of an aspen grove out of the hot sun while we wait our turn to shoot. These women are a mixed bag, some with lots of outdoor experience. Others, like Wyomingite Jenny Wacker. I'm not terribly outdoorsy. Uh, We have a cabin up in ESSUS Park where I glamp. (laughs) I I think I've slept outside maybe twice in my life. (laughs) A good friend talked her into this camp. Plus, she just likes trying new things. In fact, these 55 women were so gung-ho to be in the outdoors in a female-only community that it's kind of hard to get in. Jennifer came with her mom, Pam McMahon, all the way from Salt Lake City.
0: My mom came about nine years ago, and after her first time, we applied every year. And then last year, we finally got in together, and then again this year together. Wow, so it's not easy to get in. It's, it's not. not.
1: <laughs> it's so you're feeling pretty draw. lucky. Yeah, oh, yes. very.
0: Yeah. It was yeah. like winning the lottery.
1: Archery was top on Jennifer's list of classes she wanted
0: to take. I actually told my mom I know what I want for Christmas this year. <laughs> I think I need a bow. I have a 7-year-old who has interest in shooting a bow, and he's just started, and so it's just something that I think that I'm going to do with him.
1: I was kind of thinking the same thing about teaching my own teenage daughters. I'm sure that's exactly what the organizers of this camp want to hear. If women like Jennifer and me start teaching our kids to hunt and fish, maybe the sporting tradition won't disappear after all. But talking to the other women around camp I realize a lot of them are doing this for slightly different reasons than most men. More for economic self-sufficiency. Hunting means you can put healthy, organic, truly local meat on your family's table. Like my archery teacher, Jessie Johnson. She fills her freezer each year with meat she brings home from the hunt. And that's big for me too. But I was a vegetarian for a decade and a half. So there's this nickly thing I had to ask Jessie how she deals with taking the life of an animal.
3: You'll never know if you're ready for it until you have a gun or a bow at the animal the split second before you shoot, and you will know. You have to get close. You have to know them. You have to understand their, like where they feed, what they eat, how the wind is blowing. You have to know the landscape. Um, and so when you get in there, it is a deeply personal and very intense moment. I have been full drawn a couple of bears now and uh, I've yet to shoot one because I haven't been able to. I don't shoot things I won't eat, so it's, you know, I'm in it for food and um, for me it's pretty sacred and I would call it a melancholic joy.
1: That phrase, it really sticks with me. Have I ever experienced melancholic joy? The kind that comes with taking the life of an animal meant to feed and nourish me? Talking to the other campers, a lot of us have holes in our outdoor education like that. My dad is kind of a famous bamboo rod builder and once owned an Orvis fly fishing store at the headwaters of the North Platte. But he never taught me. Jessie is a generation younger, but she has
3: a similar story. I was an
1: adult-onset
3: hunter, so I didn't grow up hunting. My dad hunted, I'd been around it, I'd eaten game meat, but just had never gone. And it wasn't, he would have taken me had I asked. I just I didn't go. And so uh, when I turned about 21, 22, I picked up a bow.
1: And the time has come for me to pick up a fly rod. That's when we return.
0: Hey, it's Willow. I want to make a quick announcement because... We have some exciting news. Out There is developing a new podcast series for children, and we're looking for a marketing coordinator who can help us get the word out. We're a fun team, and this is a great opportunity to help shape an exciting new project. If you or someone you know are interested, please apply. I have a link to all the details in the episode description, and applications are due June 5th. I can't wait to hear from you.
1: Today, I pick up a fly rod. I haven't done that since I was a little kid. My fly-fishing teacher, Christy Carlson, leads me down into the underbrush to a swift-flowing stream. There's the whiff of willows and crushed mint down there. Carlson wears a ball cap with a long blonde ponytail streaming through it. She's decked out in all the latest fly-fishing gear because she owns the fly shop Pioneer Anglers in northern Wyoming. She peers at the water with a discerning eye, then points out at something.
2: So where do you see these little bubbles? Yeah. Those little bubbles, the foam line? Uh Uh-huh. Foam is home. So if you're ever wondering where should I fish and you like, kind of get overwhelmed, look for those little foam bubbles.
1: I start practicing my newly minted cast.
2: So I want you to think of just moving, saying hello and goodbye. Hello, goodbye.
1: Unlike hunting, the number of people fishing in the U.S. is staying steady. And a lot of that is thanks to women. Carlson says that's a recent trend because when she was just learning...
2: I had several horrible experiences as a lady angler going in with a small daughter and being completely ignored. Not everybody, but many shops. And I was like, I'm here to learn and I'm here to buy.
1: When my parents ran the fly fishing store, I used to run the cash register. I don't remember a lot of women coming through our door either. Carlson says that when they do come in...
2: Sometimes I've had... Uh, Women come in, their husbands are making them, you know, Mm. and once they have somebody that understands, I was taught by, you know, a significant other too, so you kind of have a a rebelness inside of you that's like, shut up and don't tell me what to do. (laughs) So, um, but between men and women, um, women engage in learning a little quicker than men. Um, Sometimes men, um, I'm not trying to categorize Mm -hmm, or anything have a little bit more ego, especially, you know, uh, being taught something that maybe is more of a male-dominant sport, you know? So that it is a equal thing because it's, it's not, you know, a competition. All it is is everybody enjoying the beauty and peace that has been offered to us. The difference with women is we just have a good time too. We can giggle and we can laugh and we can feel frustrated and we can vent and every can blow it off and then continue on and be done. The one thing we've always thought in general um, in other women groups is when women teach women, we're saving relationships one cast at a time. Because then you don't have to feel the frustration of learning and arguing and
1: yeah, it but just I takes do some of that it. pressure off that relationship here. You're, yes. You're, you're making it a little easier for them to learn. Yeah,
2: and then you both can go out and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is all about. And you're together, and that's all that matters.
1: I don't catch a fish, even though Christy is just sure there's one lurking under a shadowy bank. But I'm not disappointed. She made me feel confident I have the skills to catch one next time.
3: We need 400 degrees.
1: My last class just proves how central food is to hunting and fishing for women. Dutch oven cooking. Preparing fancy dishes in cast iron over hot coals. I'm on a team making orange cranberry cornbread Nearby, someone rolls out dough with a wine bottle to make cinnamon rolls.
3: The bread is rising. rising okay. and, yes. then we'll yeah, and then we'll roll
2: it out with yeah. a wine
3: bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. yeah. You I gotta use a, what you got. That's right, when you're in the woods. <laughs> yep.
1: yeah. A feeling of camaraderie takes over as we all sit down to eat our feast. Lasagna, Cornish game hens, lava cake.
3: We browned our chicken wings and made an apricot sauce with a variety of ingredients, including apricot jelly. Just made your curry. And some curry. Mm. Okay, Perfect. There's little plates there and forks. Help yourselves. They're super saucy.
4: They are super saucy.
3: Just like us. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven...
1: Next morning, I'm set to leave this place. There's still so much more to learn. I load up my car and start back up the long dirt road. In the rearview mirror, through the dust, that grand view of mountain and river. A few weeks later, I meet up with my dad at a creek we've both loved a long time near the Colorado-Wyoming line. Right off the bat, I face my first test. Tying my fly, a hopper. I guess it's supposed to look like a grasshopper on my
4: line. Now, do you remember you're not? No.
3: Round
4: and round. Round and around. Right, and that you're going to go round and around is because I times. when I, um, the guy up in Montana, when your mother and I were hitchhiking through Yellowstone. <laughs> Yeah. And then he picked us up. Yeah.
1: All my dad's lessons get sidetracked by stories from the past. Okay, so back in the sixties when my parents were hippies, a French guy gave them a ride and apparently some fishing tips.
4: And they just go back through the loop that is right by the eye of the hook. Pull the tag in through. Yep. Then I pull I pull on the end of the hook and the line, right?
1: Okay. Like that. Thing. Yep. That looks pretty good. Yep. Oh, that yep. wasn't so bad. Was it's really like, not The knots, I was so worried. That was like the thing that was like keeping me from fishing, I felt like. It's the perfect time of day to catch fish. Just before sunset, we immediately see trout rising.
4: That's a better fish there, uh-huh. is it? Did yeah. you see him? Yes,
1: I saw him come all the way out of the water. How, how, how long was he? I would say he's probably like that. That's a, that's a, you can put him on the table. So I start practicing the hello goodbye casting I learned at camp.
4: You're getting some nice drifts. Yeah. It's not a bad not a bad distance for you. There you go, you just had a hit. Really? Yeah, set the hook. What do I do? Oh right, okay. I did I was doing that
1: <laughs> it's a learning experience for both of us me learning to be my dad's student and my dad learning to be his adult daughter's teacher. But it's not long after that I catch a small brown trout. It's beautiful in the sunlight as I lift it out of the water. My dad is mostly a catch-and-release kind of guy. He double-checks I really want to kill it. Yes, I tell him without hesitation. I'm thinking of how delicious it will taste, but also of melancholic joy. So he shows me how to kill it puts his index finger down its throat, and pulls its head back until the fragile neck breaks. Then he lays it in my hands. It's silky and lithe and hard to keep a grip on, like something made out of pure energy. I'm sad there's one less fish in this pool, but I'm also super proud of myself. It's almost dark, so we head back. I just caught a fish.
4: You just caught a fish, and pretty darn decent fish for this.
1: Yeah, for, it's not for, so tiny. For Douglas can,
4: Creek. No, it's not. It's edible fish. Yeah, I can eat it. Do you absolutely. know how to clean it?
1: No, you're going to have to
4: teach. No, me. I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> Back at the car, we get to talking. I ask my dad if he's disappointed that I didn't get into fishing before. He says no. Did you try to teach us? or And, and what was...
4: You don't even remember. No. I don't remember either. I, you know, I, I probably I remember, did. I remember I, I'm, going I'm, with you... And so,
1: but, and I remember being out there, but being frustrated with sort of the tangled line and the knot. Well, that's the
4: thing, you know. Uh, um, it, everybody comes to it, I guess, in a different way. So, catching a fish helps. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I got interested when I was I was tying flies when I was eleven or twelve back in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. You know, um, but I was in the the hook and bullet club. You mm-hmm.
1: know. But you weren't like hoping that your kids would turn into.
4: The a river runs through it and, the, you know, yeah, the yeah. father son's yep. thing and all of that, you know, the little bit of competitiveness and, and stuff in the in the book and in the movie. You know, I didn't have that. I didn't I didn't I didn't I, you know, I expected things from my kids, but I <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but I didn't necessarily expect them to be fly fishing people. You're not
1: holding a grudge against
4: I d- me. I do, but not for that. <laughs> but not for that. <laughs> there's there's plenty of other reasons to hold grudges against you. <laughs> So We part ways
1: with a plan to go fishing again at a river near my house. At home, I follow my dad's instructions and clean my little trout. All its energy is gone, and it's now more limp and slimy. Now it's food. Here you go, chickens. You want some guts and head and tail? What's this, chickens? Good girls. I pick some lettuce and tomatoes and a cucumber from my garden. Some rosemary, too, and fry that up in the butter with the trout. When it's cooked, I toss the meat with my salad and sit on my patio and eat a truly satisfying meal. Even if I am spitting bones every few bites. You can see photos of the bow camp and of that fish I caught at our website, themodernwest.org. I'm Melody Edwards.
0: Again, that story came to us from the Modern West podcast. You can hear more stories like it at themodernwest.org or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're new to Out There, check out the Best of Out There playlist. This is a collection of some of our favorite episodes of all time, and it's a great introduction to the range of stories we do on the show. You can find Best of Out There on Spotify and at our website, outtherepodcast.com. Out There's advertising manager is Jessica Taylor, our audience growth director is Sheba Joseph, Kara Schaefer is our print content coordinator, Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. Our theme music was written by Jared Arnold, and I'm Willow Belden. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next month for a new season of Out There.